I've been a video game player since I was about eight years old. Hard to believe. All my buddies were gamers. My sister too, but she was too young to appreciate them. It was the old consoles at first, like the Intellivision and the Atari 2600. Then the coin ops came, me and the other kids would take over the arcade behind the laundromat and try to blast asteroids and kill space invaders about till our fingers bled. Some of the old arcade owners were even loaning some quarters, for a bit of interest on the payback of course. They knew we'd be back, so it was smart business on their part. Over the years, the games changed. Me and my friends moved on to the computer games, building our Sim Cities and playing our PC pinball games that never tilted unless you wanted them to. The handhelds came along, but they were mostly for the younger folk. I never could get excited for six different flavors of the same Pokemon game. My friends and me would rather wander through a Fallout RPG or save the world by commanding and conquering. As the years went on, as years will do, computer games became more comfortable to stay with. It became harder and harder to keep up with all the Nintendos, Playstations, and Xboxes, and they all came with these funny controllers. I've always been a simple mouse or joystick man myself. If the good lord had wanted me to be able to use one of those fancy things, he would have given me a couple extra fingers. I just don't get it. I truly don't. A man would have to put his wrists to hazard using one of those things. Still, I know I have to share my gaming world with these new consoles. Heck, I love it when they port one of those games over to my PC. I guess you just have to say, okay, I'll be part of this world. The most you ever lost on a coin toss, friendo. Call it. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Hello and welcome to No Consoles for Old Men. I am Dr. Bill Robinson, and with me tonight for this, uh, not really the inaugural podcast because we we had done an episode previously with mr honeywell but with me back then was my co-host of this mr scott mcgregor scott 2.0 that would be me and yeah the uh, seeds were planted in a kind of a one shot that we did on the marvel heroes um online game and um it's also inspired by something a little older than that i'll let you tell them about that bill yeah, because our illustrious hosts of Two True Freaks, Mr. Chris Honeywell and Scott Gardner, way, way, way back in 2011 had done a video game podcast that would that covered the video games that they had grown up with, what they had started with, what they played through all through the years and up until almost the present. And we're going to kind of pick up the baton and start a little bit with... Pick up the joystick. Yeah, <laughs> pick up the joystick that's those sticks that had one stick on the top and a button and that was it i could kick anybody's butt with now known as controllers now yeah oh god i look at the controllers today and i'm like it's oppressive isn't it you know joystick i need a manual happy word i i need a manual (laughs) i don't know how to operate this what what button do i hit this is ridiculous but uh we're gonna we're going to cover some of the history and intermix our history with it on this first episode and down the road we're going to cover a few other topics 
violence in video games, our own insights or bad parenting skills with video game our, addiction, which <laughs> our I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. Oh yeah, not that we still have that. No, 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 this no not is, at all. I'm in recovery from about five minutes ago for the yeah. you know, Angry Birds before the show started. Yeah, and I've now hooked you on something else no, as well. Yeah, that's a whole show, man. I'm not even, you know, better not remind me of that too much. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep up with the Joneses. You gotta keep any, up with any delays games. in the production of this podcast are Mr. Bill's fault. <laughs> my fault, please. Well, so. And my I guess... father, but that's therapist shit. <laughs> oh, you're not seeing me as a father figure, are you? No. Because. No, we just okay. discussed that. You're 10 years younger than I am, aren't you? Or no. no <laughs> I believe we are the same age, sir. But I was going to sing uh, George Michael since I can never, you know, I always have to work in a musical reference, you know. Oh, I will be your father figure. Make you play video games all the time. Yeah. Right. Actually, it was my lack of a father figure, I think, that pushed me into video games. But again, therapist shit. Oh, well, hey, then actually we're probably right in the same alley because I was uh, uh, pulling back the curtain. I guess you could say video games was my surrogate father because I lived with my grandmother um, for a lot. And then let's just say my my parental figure I had was uh, not stable, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why I was with my grandmother. Yeah, yeah. We'll just put it that way. And now we've both assured that we can never let any of our family listen to this podcast. Ah, <laughs> eh, they're not going to listen anyway. So. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, getcha, but, man. Yeah, I mean, just like, I forget what the name of the old show on HBO was about the kid who was basically raised on television. Oh, was it Dream On? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I love you know, that that's show. A, that's the second time that show has come up in a conversation lately that I've... I've been, it's been on my mind lately, and I could not place the name, and it's like, yeah, I know... Yeah, I, everything I he did, it, but... it was... He would have a thought, and it would be intercut with TV, and that's, yeah. that's kind of the way I... Well, growing up with, with my grandmother, I was actually exposed to older TV than I should have been. Yeah, um, me too, me too. I mean, we visited Grandma a lot, and, you know, for some reason our crappy four stations back back in the day when there were only crappy four crappy stations, um, you know, played a lot of syndicated stuff, which is where I got most of my geek culture that was actually 10 years, you know, older out of than, date. And then when I was watching it, yeah. but Yeah, I used to watch Perry Mason and... My three sons. Iron Somehow Spy. this has turned into an old TV. An old podcast. TV, yeah. That's we got other other stuff for that. But video games. I mean, I was raised on TV and video games, basically. And you know, we were there from kind of the the, the dawn of the video game age as we know it, or at least arcades and you know home systems and consoles and and the early PCs and and obviously if we're still doing it then it had a pretty significant uh effect on our worldview and you know as the kid in dream on who saw everything in the context of of his television shows i'm sure you and i both walk through life sometimes and <laughs> think of something we've played when there's oh, yeah. a particular situation happening to us well, so. well i maybe perhaps we also dawned at the vi- at the uh you know, you know, we were there when video games took off, and also when cable TV took off too. Yeah. Be- because when we were kids, we had, you had the three basic cha- 
you had your three basic channels, you might have had one or two independent stations, and then you might have had one or two PBS stations, depending on how close you live to a major city or in between some big cities. So, I mean, what, five, six channels at the most? Yeah. And now, now like, uh, like Bruce Springsteen sung a few years ago, you know, 57 channels and nothing on. Mm-hmm. Now there's 157 channels and <laughs> there's nothing on sometimes. And the two medium, and that could be said about the video game world, or at least, you know, the PC world. Um, right, there's so today. many choices, you don't have time to play everything you yeah. want to play. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have a whole show on, uh, we're going to give the Steam um, app a lot of free Give me Steam. Per, yeah, free press on this show because Steam is both the bane and joy of my existence because there's just a ridiculous amount of video games out there. But I mean, as I said, a cable and like video games and that whole media kind of almost evolved together. There used to be a lot of, you know, TV show and movie tie-ins back in the early days of video games. Still is, but a lot of those were were classics and some of them were complete disasters too which we'll get to you know literally et almost destroyed the video game industry before it was <laughs> out of the gate you know that's an old tale um yep. that's kind of what this show is going to be about yeah is that uh, you and me just kind of reminiscing about that and examining people our age hopefully we'll find one or two more people our age that are still into the the genre as much as we are and you know going to the reasons why we are and and back to you, because I just babbled out of, you know, <laughs> no, no, out no, of ammunition there, so. No, 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 that's fine. Now, I, uh, you had actually, uh, I have to give you full, full credit, because I, uh, I, I've been busy playing Han and Chewie, fixing my <laughs> AC, as some people on Facebook who have seen me know. Um, so I didn't really have, I ran out of time to, to do any research but you, my friend, have created quite a bit of research that we can cover on the early beginnings of video games. And, and um, when we say created, we mean copied and pasted from a website. Sh- uh. <laughs> Behind the curtain. Pay no attention. My ego's no attention. okay today. I'll, I'll let you feed it later when I'm needy. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I was staggered to kind of check this list out and you know it took me through memory lane on a lot of them obviously and uh was surprised how far i went back um i don't have the exact date up but i mean and i'm sure maybe chris and scott had this in their podcast but i mean the first video game was literally uh created as far back as like 1958 which of course would and it was basically pong is, is my understanding it was a tabletop tennis game and you know all in ace ACSII, am I saying that right? And um, oh, ASCII. ASCII, yeah, that's it. Yeah. But it was also a code, like like you were saying. No, I think it's just like hexadecimal comes to mind for some reason. Yeah, there was a chart when I pulled up images for ASCII. It, it had hex numbers listed for the the matching up through zero through nine, the symbols and everything. So, but I guess it's but I guess the holdover nowadays is the keyboard is considered ASCII. Okay. So. Learn something new every day. The more you know, kids. Who's smart? Knowing is half the battle. Scott McGregor make podcasts go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's hope so. And what reference is that, my friend? Uh, Sounds good. No. 
He's smart. He makes shit go. Oh, God. It's right on the tip of my brain. Give it to me. I'm oh, lost. yeah. Come on. It's a... Jordy, Jordy's smart. Jordy oh, yeah, smart. all right. The fucking, I forget what the name, their names Packlids. are. Packlids. Packlids, yeah. The Packlids from Next Generation. Yep. The ship's broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was a great episode. That would be like all the freaks on a ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's the Galaxy Quest crew, too. I mean, kind of, <laughs> you know. Help. The only way we know how to, do, you know, run our equipment is the TV show. <laughs> I wish. They need to make a freaking sequel of that movie. Anyway, back to video games. Back to video games. So you, you've you got it in the outline that uh, in 1972, and we would have been three. Yeah. That um, the U.S. Yep. patent was issued to Ralph Baer for a television gaming apparatus and method. Sounds really important, doesn't it? It was. So, does this guy, you know, wish some. Maybe we'll go back and read. Yeah, you gotta wonder if he, like, owns. He like, gets does a he little, still... He gets a check from everything that's been made since then, because that's a pretty broad patent. <laughs> that, well, that... you know, that's kind of like the guy that was tr that's been trying, saying that they invented podcasting. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about you know? that after Chris, yeah. And that, because I know that. Was Adam Carolla was fighting, was taking that guy to court, and I guess yeah. they they were trying to back out, like, oh no, 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 and and he's like, oh no, no, it's on, yeah. we're not backing out. Well, yeah, because I guess it. this is this is kind of their shtick, is that they yeah they they create some vague patent on something and and say that you know they own it and they kind of well, get on this all hearsay. Don't don't write in or well, you know what we don't even have an email address. We're going to have to come up with that before the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not slandering. This is all strictly opinion. I have no proof. But uh, from the other things I heard that they kind of scoop up vague uh, patents or other things along that line and then try to, um, I don't want to say extort, but strong arm might be a better word, people into paying them off. Yeah, to, settling. Yeah. Yeah. To settling out of court, but I guess this kind of backfired, and uh, Adam Kroll is not backing down. So, but that is another podcast on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you, I mean, yeah, you would think that Ralph Bear would would be entitled to a piece of the pie on everything that came after, kind of. Um, but I mean, that that's so broad. Maybe that's part of what you know this other group is going for is broad patents like that and and the problems inherent with them so mm -hmm. but uh yeah and when we moved to uh they didn't waste much time after bob got or ralph got the patent because uh may 24th uh literally a month after he got the patent like magnavox's odyssey was the first home video game system that came out and uh i don't think we had one as a kid but my across the street neighbors and friends did which was probably a good amount of the reason I made them my friends uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah the Odyssey was like you know I, I was hooked from day one I, I they were if you look back now you know it was it was well now well now I mean remember been... any games was like a cause there was a couple space games and a couple like fantasy themed ones but you know obviously very simple and well well when do you actually remember playing video games like your first 
I think maybe that... we had. I mean, I was looking at the. Uh, it looks like Pong didn't actually come out till '75. So I mean, right. I, yeah, I doubt I was actually playing the Odyssey in 1972 because, as we said, three. But it wasn't long after that that you know I must have seen it. You know, because actually that neighbor probably babysat me quite a bit. So whenever they got one, and they were, they had money in town. I mean, the, the husband right. was a, a lawyer at the time, so that was that's huge money back where I live. Um, well, because I don't remember playing any video games, at least home video games. Well, they didn't really, you didn't even really have a car, any arcade games either. Yeah. Um, at, at this time, but the first one I remember is Atari. Now, that came out. Looking at the list here, that came out in '77. Yeah. And and looking at that price now. Two hundred and forty-nine dollars and ninety-five cents. Yeah, that's a nineteen seventy-seven dollars. That's huge money. Yeah, and I, it's funny. I, I've you know, a couple of the prices listed throughout this historical list. They like all started out at the same price. You know, right around two hundred and fifty bucks. And yeah, so yeah, I'm so, actually doubting that I owned one right away. Um, yeah, because I I don't remember. I don't actually remember having one, an actual video game, yeah. until I lived with my grandmother in nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, and that's so about that's, as far that's back what as I'm I thinking. remember anything, anyways. <laughs> right. I mean, the most I remember pr pr prior to, you know, going back, like big things was with the with the bicentennial and in '76. Yeah. Past that, there's little snippets and you know school days and certain things, but but as for video game memories, it pretty much starts when I moved to Florida in 1978. Was living w w with my grandmother. And then uh, uh, my mom got remarried and stuff. And then I remember going to Sears because that was where we always got to always got the Atari games was from yep. Sears. Oh yeah, you know that was a big thing to go and to try to get to play them at the because um, uh, they would have them on display, and you would always hope there would be no, you know, there'd be nobody else around. You could get there, you could play the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was free entertainment time, and you know. That's oh, when, plus, and nobody calls CPS on my 75-year-old mom, but that's when parents would actually, <laughs> like, leave you in a place in the store. I was just going to say and that. And walk away for, like, half an hour. They would go shopping, and you just stand there, and you would either stay in the toy section, yeah. looking at the toys, and at, back then, this would have been the Star Wars toys going, ooh, ah, ooh. Not or, at three. I mean, we're talking eight, oh, nine, no, ten, yeah. you know. Right, right. It's still and, you'd get arrested for it now. So. That's... Oh yeah, now now if you're you know I I can't imagine being there at eight years old or nine years old being left in the store just playing a video game. But if you think parents... about it, what more perfect place to plop a kid? What, what, what they're gonna fucking move from that? You know. I, <laughs> I know because even if you were playing, you'd watch somebody else play. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, and and it it was it was it was great. You know, I mean, even like Pong, but but combat is the one that I remember more than yeah. anything else. Yeah, Because it it was so simple, but yet so much fun. And you could get the tanks that could shoot straight, or tanks that you could curveball your bullet, or you could shoot out one side of the screen and come through the other. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then the, and then they had the ones where you could fly the planes. It could because combat had the tanks, the planes, and was there something else, or was that pretty much it? I think there was fly. even a separate one for there was like a barnstorming game which had the you know little pixel planes that just oh, yeah. swooped in and destroyed buildings and you know yeah. 
and after combat, like the next biggest game that I got um, was uh, like an ice hockey game, which you would either, yeah. which was just pong but of a different style. You had you you had the pong goal. with a couple more paddles, basically. Yeah, pong yeah. with extra people <laughs> out there well, because you could have too, one guy or you could have three guys, or you know, and you just had to keep it out of the goal. That was yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Now, the thing that this list didn't address, um, which I was kind of surprised, but it was mostly geared towards the home, you know, system thing, but was, I mean, my first video game was probably the little, you know, d pixel uh, LED football games and basketball games that you used to play, which were all basically the same game, too, with a different sport case around it, you know. Right. And I'm not sure I've said the timeline of those, but those like had to come out before you know the home systems. I would think. Uh, we'll maybe do those, some more research on that for our next podcast. But, I remember having one of those, and it was in the late '70s, early '80s. Yeah. And the the cool thing to do was to sneak it to school. Oh yeah, yeah. On the on on the bus because they had ones you could play by yourself. Yeah. Or they had ones where two people could play, one yeah. on each side. Yeah. Offense and defense. And you would sit across each other on the bus across the aisle playing the game, you know, and it would go beep 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 beep, and that was that was that was the extent of it. And then if you scored, it go da 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 da, just just a little red dot. And nowadays kids would look at that and go, Oh yeah, I even had one football game that I like mastered the pattern so well I just could beat it like ninety nine to zero every time I played it. So yeah, those those got wore out pretty quick. Um, yeah. Some of the home games, um, I said Pong came out in 75, but I think we probably both started playing stuff, you know, around 78, 79. Of course, there were the arcades, which we uh, surprisingly had an arcade in our little village in upstate New York, uh, which was just outside of a very little city in upstate New York. Um, actually had an arcade, and I think it was like the back of the laundromat. Um, mm. Chris would maybe be able to confirm that. Oh, he wasn't much of a Black River boy uh, like I was. But, um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they actually had everything that was coming out. They had the Galagas and, what was it, Galaxia? Galaxia was first, wasn't it? And then the Galaga? Uh, yeah. Galaxian, I'm thinking. Galaxian, yeah. yeah. Then it was Galaga. Well, well, actually, I think prior to that, uh, well, kind of jump, jumping ahead out of order but yeah you had space invaders yeah there was, you go yeah, was the one of the first ones i saw i'm sure and then then you had galaxian but later there's a game that i don't know how many people played but it was it was a combination of space it it had a space invaders component it had a galaxian component then it had like two or three other games mixed together in it, it was called gorf g-o-r-f oh, i don't remember that one at all no and basically you would go through and you would play five i believe it was four to five levels and you had a boss but what happened was each and then you would be uh, and it talked in this annoying robot voice you have you, you have moved or you are a great player and it would laugh at you when you died and then when you finished like the five levels it would say you are now a space you know ace and it was like cadet you know colonel right it, it, it gave you ranks and each time 
it would get faster and faster yeah. and harder and harder. So kind of early role playing, even you know, where you level up and actually have stats for your character in a way. Yeah, I mean, you you couldn't you didn't increase your character, but the game got increasingly hard. Yeah. And you know, tougher the to beat. And and I remember that was the first video game that I actually um, got my that I was good at, and I got to put my initials on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, aha! I unfortunately I wasn't very good at any of them. Unfortunately, asteroids. Asteroids was up there. Managed to get. Um, oh, a- asteroids could be intense and raise well. Back then, now it raised my blood pressure. Back then, see, there's a date see. here for that. Let me see. Uh, Seventy nine. Seventy nine. Asteroids first game to allow high scores to enter three <laughs> character <laughs> initials <laughs> stored <laughs> in the machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Used to love that one. It was simple. But uh, yeah, I mean, the physics on that was was just amazing for the time. You know, the, those rocks actually felt like they had weight when you were playing them. I mean, that would be absurd to people today with 3D graphics and stuff. But that was well, so new to us to have some kind of interaction with things on a screen that it was like it totally transported you, no matter how simple the graphics were. And that's really what hooked me about video games. And I always tried to stay in the middle because I hated the move because once you started because there was physics to to the game in that you would use your you would use your jet and it would move you and you'd keep drifting and you'd have to spin yourself around and sh- yeah. and jet the other way and try not to run in anything because there was no way you could ever just stay right in the middle no because no. it was you know but I think the way they made the rocks look like they had weight was because the larger ones just moved slower and when you shot when you blew them up and they became smaller, yeah, then they moved a little bit quicker. And yeah, when they got yeah. really tiny, they moved even faster. Yeah, and it was brilliant for the time. It was really the basis for all. But the controls were freaking. I remember the uh, because the controls wasn't it just a dial or was no that something no, else? I'm thinking I remember of, uh, Tempest. <laughs> I think I remember four buttons. It was left and right, fire yeah. and jets. Yeah. And, that, and and it was all buttons. It was no no joystick. It was all yeah. button controlled. Yeah. So you had you couldn't really do the feel of like it. Like I was much better at Asteroids when I got it for the Atari. Yeah, me too. Yep. Than in the arcade because I could, you know, I could do all the motions with just with just just a hand, and all I had to do was fire. So. Yeah, I was generally better at all of them on like the twenty six hundred, but that's because most of them were really horrible. But <laughs> and itchy, <laughs> but but they were great at the time, man. And uh, uh, said to go back and play them now would be weird. And I have played some like retro games on on emulators and stuff, and it's it's, it's still fun though. It still yeah. reminds me of what sucked me in. Now I don't really remember, or maybe I vaguely remember about Atari coming out with a computer to comp- to try to compete with Apple? Um, Atari did have a, a line of uh, home computers. That's not represented on our little history here either. But yeah, there was the... Uh, they had them for a little while and yeah, did, k- kind of got promptly crushed by, you know, the... <laughs> crushed. PC and, um, and other things. Um, one of my first computers that I had games on was the TRS model and got the TRS color computer you know in the early 80s and uh, yeah you know, one of my neighbors had a uh, and it cost basically back then so I think I had to save up my money to get the thing at the time but it cost like a thousand dollars back then you know so it's, it's like whatever the time is it's it's almost like the 
you know, the gaming equipment's prices have remained the same. It's kind of weird, because, I mean, you buy a computer now, you get one, a good one for a grand. Um, but it's like back, you know, the computer I had back then for a grand is a, a modern-day calculator could kick its ass. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. When you think about how, from when we were kids to where we are now, to how much the technology has advanced, even, you know, in, in all things, in cars and phones... I don't know. It just makes us makes me old. Well, that's why I've been there for the whole ride because it's like, man, it's just like the things that the the, the imagination these games sparked in me and the enjoyment they gave me back then, you know. And now with today's graphics and the immersion that you get at a game, it's just like, why would I quit you? <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I should. My my wallet well, yeah. says I should, but uh, you know. I can't quit. Well, I know, even, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, ju- jumping ahead to some current video games, and we may have touched this on the, the show that we did, mm-hmm. playing certain games um, when I would play, used to, I used to play World, World of Warcraft, and when I would fall from a high height, I would actually, I, I don't want to say I felt like I was falling. Oh, yeah. But I got a momentary sense of, you know, just like... Looking at the screen, going, ah, and oh, my heart rate would raise a little. That's why I say my go- neighbors will have me hauled away someday, because I'll be the guy that will actually yell all the way or down with my character, <laughs> <laughs> out loud, and not care. <laughs> I mean, one one of the other games that had me wrapped up to um, a few years ago was uh, the Fallout series. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like Fallout 3 and I, Fallout I, I Vegas. Went, yeah, I plowed <laughs> right through both of those, and I, I'd love to go back and play them again with different options, but I mean, you know, I don't have that much of my life left. Oh, yeah, so. I know. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. But that's, yeah, that's what I got into it for, and, and, and uh, I hate to say I don't read as much as I used to, and I should, and I'm okay with that, though, because, like, this is the next level for me. This is interactive fiction, and it's what I've always wanted out of my reading experiences, is to be able to jump in to the story, so video games has provided that for me, so. But, I mean, I haven't haven't gotten into all of them. I mean, we both have our tastes, I'm sure, and, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a universal addict I guess you know there's some I just stay away from there's a lot of video games I just flat-out suck at and so I stay away from them and consoles is you know other than the the, the older ones uh, I mean I got into PCs PC gaming from the start too but eventually it just kind of became yeah, I'm not gonna try to keep up with all the consoles coming out yeah, I'm right. just gonna kind of stick to my PC games which well, know. I know that's you know it's it's odd that we call this the the no consoles for old men show, but yet that's where it started. Yeah, 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 mostly. <laughs> but, that, but that's not where we ended up. <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, because they just kind of, you know, I got too old for this shit, I guess. Um, stuff like the Call of Duty series and stuff, I, I, I like a good military game, but those are just, like, beyond me, man. And just, I don't know if it's the reflexes it's, are getting too slow or... It's too fast! <laughs> It is, and it's like, it's too real, really. And I like my video, I'm a contradiction, because I love my video games very real and very immersive, but some of them I literally worry about my heart rate <laughs> when I'm playing them <laughs> in the combat games. 
Yes, to do I'm, that. <laughs> I'm always much calmer when I'm way up on a mountainside with a high-powered, uh, you know, some, some type of weapon with a sniper scope. And, yeah, I, I, I play pick yeah, people off the before. rocket launcher guy a lot. I play. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be down there in the middle of, 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 of the melee fighting. No, thank you. No, no. No, thank you. Too old for this shit. Just like Roger Waters sang in um, uh, one, one of his albums, The Bravery of Being Out of Range. Yep. So, that's that's the way I like my video games. So, uh, kind of back to the history and our history. Um, is that eventually I owned the Atari Twenty Six Hundred? I don't think I ever we ever got or were able to afford the Fifty Two or Seventy Eight Hundred. But there was a fascinating video game war going back, you know, going on even back in those days. Um, yeah, because um, yeah, I. I never moved on to the 5200 or the other one, but some of my other friends, see, I, I had the Atari stuff. One of my other friends had an Intellivision. Yeah. And another friend had a ColecoVision. Yeah, yeah. So that pretty much, because Intellivision came out in the 1980s, and it's um, it had better graphics, and it was like about 50 bucks higher than than Atari, but they had a, it seems like a lot of their games exploded because they went out to um, third party video game vendors, whereas mm -hmm. Atari was creating everything in house at the time. And television tried to put out a lot of stuff uh, really quickly, which, you know, you kind of had to do to compete with Atari at that point. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of their games were, I think a lot of their games were maybe off-putting to some people because they tried some interesting stuff i mean they had some more intricate like space strategy games too if i remember correctly that maybe atari was doing i know well, i wanted to play them and i wanted to be wherever somebody had one you know as much as possible because they were just you know atari kind of didn't have the, the depth for me and a lot of them i guess but well and it was the new thing, so. if you remember do you remember the commercials for in television no nah, very vaguely I believe they had, um, oh, they had, I want to say, George Plimpton was their um, advertiser. Oh, that does almost sound familiar, yeah. And, and he, the way they they would play it off is that he would you know in television was more intelligent very sophisticated yeah yes and, and he I would and that... he was he was uh i believe a best-selling author at the time yeah. you know because we were too young to realize really who he was but and, well he, he he was an older intelligent you know right intelligent you know and, uh, classy you know, looking guy so in we were supposed to listen which, to him yeah <laughs> i'll try almost anything so when mattel electronics asked me to compare their intellivision games with atari i gave it a try I compared Atari baseball with Intellivision and found Intellivision played much more like real baseball. Then I compared Atari football with Intellivision. Again, Intellivision played more like the real game. In my opinion, if you try them both, there's only one conclusion you can come to. Intellivision from Mattel Electronics. Yeah, he, he was their spokesperson and just went on about how the games look better, more intelligent, blah, blah, blah. So they were trying to, and in all honesty, some of their graphics on certain games did look better. Now, yeah. Atari did kind of catch up a little later. I remember the big step up was uh, uh, Pitfall. Mm -hmm. I, 
that seemed to be a good step up. Yeah. But that was third party too at the time. That was Activision. Oh yeah, that's right. Because that was when Activision started. Yeah, because Activision did that. I think they also did Yard's Revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, River Raid was another one. So I think, yeah, Atari, when they finally went the third party vendor, kind of caught back up. Yeah. Probably in cartridge sales. But I mean, but the original Atari stuff still had, you know, like a good nostalgia. Of course, it's nostalgia now. Back then it was, oh, yeah, cutting edge. I love it. So, uh, yeah, because because I because now to parallel the video game, the arcade game uh, situation by then now we're getting into the 80s and I think we had Missile Command. We had Pac-Man. Yeah. And those were all being favorites. Yeah. Those were all being almost ported exactly to the Atari. You know, they, they seem to have a lock on all the arcade games from what I remember. But I, I think they shot themselves in the foot with a few of them because uh, they a lot of them, like when I first sat down on my 2600 Pac-Man, I was a little disappointed, <laughs> honestly, and I think a lot of people were. Um, mm. Because, I mean, Pac-Man had just come out in like 80, and yeah, it was it, huge, it looked a little obviously. different. It wasn't quite exactly, yeah, they... They may have locked in all the ports, but some of them weren't as good as. Yeah. And as, I think they rushed them out in, in a lot of ways and in a lot of times because it wasn't too much after Pac-Man was in the arcades that it was on the 2600. The 5200 came out in, in 82. And I remember the 5200 one because one of my friends had one that the Pac-Man version on that looked. That was like the arcade, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that was well, right on the precipice of changing between, you know, Systems, so I'm betting they didn't even really want to put forth too much effort uh, into the 2600 games at that point. Um, Atari, uh, they they grabbed a lot of uh, intellectual properties too, which they did some bad things with. We talked about ET and almost destroying the video game industry because they made such a crappy game and then. They had the Raiders of the Lost Ark game, which was pretty hard too. Yeah, I loved it though. I I had to like find the the I don't even know how I found cheats. I probably had to buy a magazine, you know, back in that day. Uh couldn't just Google uh, video game cheats. Um Well, before we go too far past ni- 1980 because all right, that's when in television came out, but also that was when the Empire Strikes Back came out. Uh-huh. And I remember playing the Empire Strikes Back game on the Atari 2600. And I wonder when, I'm surprised it didn't mention on our list, but I, I'm trying to remember when the first Star Wars video game was in the arcades, because that was really cutting edge for the day of the vector Well, graphics. the first Star Wars, well, oh, you mean the one with the trench? Yeah. That's, that's going to come later than 1980, because, and, well, at least I think it does, because the only reason I remember that is I, the first time I ever saw that, that Star Wars vector graphics game was in Las Vegas. Hmm. And my aunt took me out there when I was about 13 or 14. So that would have been uh, about 82 or 83. And she stopped in Vegas and went Circus Circus. And at the time, there was one whole floor that was dedicated to video games. And I just sat up there and played video games while she gambled away. Mm-hmm. And But but that was where I, it was a sit-down 
um, Star Wars vector graphics, you know, trench flight yeah. game. We had, as, and that, again, that surprisingly, awesome. we had one like in our mall or our movie theater pretty mm-hmm. early on, which is said, I look back now and I'm astounded that my little city got its shit together enough to, to do that. But uh, they probably, you know, the marketing departments of those things weren't stupid. They knew it was the thing. Mm-hmm. And they made a whole crap load of them, apparently. Yes. But the first two Star Wars games that I remember playing for a home system are the Empire Strikes Back game, mm-hmm. which... <laughs> Did you play that? Yeah, it was awesome. I wasn't very good at it. I don't think I really well, I mean, ever got you, much past the, uh, you, the hot... You could fly between the legs of yeah. the walkers, but it was just a black walker that... Just yeah. walking across the screen. And then you just came at it shooting at the spots or, you know... And then um, like the other one, had like twenty times. Or yeah, something like that. yeah. The other one that I, I remember was a like it could be a two person, and it and it was like a Jedi trainer. It was an o- overhead view of two people with lightsabers, and you could either fight against a drone like a like a little sphere that would yeah, come out. I remember that. I don't, was, I don't think that was on Atari though. No, that was on Atari because because I had it. That was the only system. Yeah that I had and huh. I played that you know that I played a lot and then um, the Atari pinball game I got so good at that game I stopped playing because it was like I could just go on forever because I knew how to just get extra balls and yeah. it just and you could using the joystick you could tilt like how, how you could you know in the old days you could kind of jiggle a uh a pinball machine yeah. to get the ball to roll a certain way, but if you did it too hard, it, it, it would tilt. Yeah, man, I had such a feather-like t- touch, and I could <laughs> sit there and I could bounce that ball all over the place anywhere I wanted it to, and yeah. just keep it. Literally, just sitting there going back and forth through two things. For finally, I was like, you know, what? I I'm just tired. Uh, I'm not even going to play this game anymore because it's <laughs> it can't beat me. I never got that good at pinball either, unfortunately. I, I it's like a wonder that. Oh, I a ever... real pinball, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, no, I think I was always better at real pinball than I was video pinball. But uh, no, I, it said it's a wonder that I'm, I ever became a video game addict because like I, I was so bad at most of them. And maybe that's what drove me on is like, and I'm still bad at most of my video games. <laughs> well, you're frustrated because you're like, point. I could beat this. I know I could beat this. <laughs> uh-huh. well, especially the thinking ones. You know, it's like, no, this, yeah. this computer is not going to outthink me. We were talking about Atari and computers earlier. I just noticed on our list, uh, it was 1978, said that Atari attempted to enter the computer industry to compete with Apple. Oh, yeah. The product is not taken seriously, and the Atari 400 and 800 are taken from the market. And I remember the 400 and 800. A friend of mine, I think, had an Atari 800 until he went over to, uh, eventually went over to Amiga, which is another story. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. For some reason, I got talked into completely abandoning, you know, anything computer-wise in the U.S. and going with the European Amiga, and yeah. <laughs> but it had some great graphics at the time. It actually was a really, really good gaming machine if you could find games for it. <laughs> but. Yeah. Well, then, what was it? 1982 rolls around, and ColecoVision comes out. And that was the first... American appearance of um, Donkey Kong, basically, wasn't it on a home system? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. and and its big its big push was Zaxxon. 
Yeah, that too. Yep, and those were that both was, huge in the arcades, and th- because that, was that a thing real was hard to play because Coleco. it was it was a two D game, but it was three D in the fact that it was offset and you flew at an angle and you had to be able to tilt and dive and go under things and shoot over barriers and yeah, which I was horrendous. Oh at. man, I used to uh, used, the game used to frustrate me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, you know what? It was eighty three that I went out because I'm looking at, at the list. And uh, Dragon's Lair, because I remember when I got to California on, the, on that trip, mm-hmm. was the first time I saw the video game Dragon's Lair, which yeah. had the, uh, la- the animation. Uh, yeah. Booth. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was it. Yeah, Nineteen eighty-three. Which that was truly a leap forward. I mean, it's like nothing interactive, oh, that was... like that now. But this was the first time you were playing a cartoon. You know, basically. You know, you were playing an animated movie, and it was kind of, you weren't, you know, it. I liken it to the Walking Dead series today, Telltale Games Walking Dead series, and you weren't really affecting much, <laughs> or you had maybe two or three choices throughout, you know, yeah, but a dragon's 10 minutes there, of the were, game. But. Well, see, now, I, I've been wanting to play the Telltale Games, but I just haven't, just like we said, time. Yeah, yeah. You know. They're actually pretty quick, which is... Kind of disappointing that you pay almost thirty dollars for them, but but then you can get those through Steam, right? Yeah, yeah, and they occasionally Steam, they, Steam, we're plugging you. Steam. Oh, Steam we better give us a free game by the time this podcast's <laughs> over. I'm sending them a link because uh, that's yeah, they own my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I send you know Steam executives kids to college at this point. Steam gets their monthly Scott McGregor stipend. Yep. Monthly, so, shit, yeah. weekly. They have a Monday sale <laughs> every Monday. Five bucks at least they get from me. <laughs> yeah, but in Dragon Slayer, well, I'm sure in the Telltale games, you you have more than one choice. I yeah, mean, actually, Dragon, Dragon Slayer, had... Slayer might have had more choices than did they? Than, well, than yeah. Well, oh really? Uh, that's well, another because, one. Said, well, I'll do well, my Walking Dead review. Because and... I always seem to take the wrong choice, but I guess they had points to where you could go different ways through through the game. And yeah, it. and it was like, well, I kind of had the, you know, I, I again, I sucked at Dragon's Lair, but I got to see all the best death scenes, which <laughs> if you're good at, because <laughs> <Yeah. it's, laughs> um, those were more fun anyway, seeing how many times you could get Dirk killed by the giant octopus or something. And. And then later they would, I think they had Dragon's Lair 2, and then they had Space Ace. Yep. I like that. I was I, actually better at Space Ace. Now, I remember Space Ace was a cartoon. Wasn't Dragon's Lair a cartoon as well? As far as, you know, Saturday Like mornings? on Saturday mornings. Yeah, I think they tried both of them, and I doubt they were actually Don Bluth art when they did them. Maybe. Right. Um, well, you know, because I kind of remember at one point, and this set... The Saturday morning cartoons does tie into the video game discussion, because at one point it seemed like the, the cartoons became a commercial for the video games. Yeah. Because there was, I remember, I don't have anything in front of me, I didn't look anything up, but I just remember a lot of shows seemed to have a game tie-in. Like, wasn't there a Pac-Man? Oh yeah, and there was a so, Q, there was a freaking Qbert video, you know, cartoon at one point. Oh wow. I, I think pretty much any cartoon in the 80s was basically a commercial for something else <laughs> I think that's what they were designed to do because they, they worked on me I made my mom buy me a shit ton of toys thanks to Saturday oh, morning cartoons that reminded me because in television had a Dungeons and Dragons game mm-hmm. oh that's right they adva- advanced Dungeons and Dragons no less I think it was yeah, and that was that was man I used to love that game that was uh, 
yeah, that, that was, was one of those easy. ones. Yeah, I drooled over and could never get my neighbor kid to let me play because it was like too, you know, wasn't an action game. But no, and I was it ready to club him either. and 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 take his television for that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. <laughs> but yeah, there was ah, yeah, a lot of good old days. Uh, Commodore 64 also came out in 1983. Um, I had a lot of experience early on with that. Uh, the cousin at a cousin's house, and she had a great library of games. Uh, yeah, but prior to that, wasn't the Vic 20 prior after that before? Uh, yeah, no, I think Vic 20 was right around that time because that was Commodore 2. Yeah, um, because the Commodore 64, I yeah, I had one of those. Well, that was and, my first experience in, they had some good interactive fiction games. I mean, Zork, you know, that's probably the first yep. time I played Zork on anything. Oh, that was so frustrating. They had some rogue games. There's one called Sword of Fargol that I used to play, which was great little just maze runner, you know, and fighting monster. You know, it was Dungeons and Dragons on the screen as far as I was concerned. So um, yeah, that's uh, when I think I really got hooked by, really understood that gaming could be taken to a much deeper level on the PC, at least at that time. And mm -hmm. I still think that holds true. And even a lot of the ports from consoles, a lot of times have some more stuff on them because, you know, it's nothing on your ten on your PC to to have a 10, 12 gigabyte game these days. <laughs> That's yeah, a lot of information. <laughs> now, two two of the, I guess three of the games that I remember the most from the 64 because I had a I had a Commodore 64 up into high school mm -hmm. up into ooh I want to say because I graduated in 87 I want to say I was still playing it yeah in 86 to 87 and I had the Commodore 64 oh yeah that's where I learned how to do a little basic programming where you yeah. could you know you would type you know line 10 print Bill is Bill is the man. Yeah, you know, at line twenty, go to line ten, and then you would just make the screen do that, and you can, you know. And um, I remember getting like a computer gaming ma magazine that would in it would have the code you needed to create a video game. Yeah, I actually... and and I would sit there and type on all that code, and then just be amazed when I could create just walking, like you walking through a maze, mm -hmm. and you know that was just so. It was so cool. And it was so simple. Yeah. Oh, you know, there was now... a little. Uh, there was a little. I had a book of basic programs and games at one point for my computer, um, and there was a little ASCII Star Trek game, which was going around a lot of computers early in the day. You know, mm -hmm. you had these little tactical Star Trek games where you'd battle Klingons, and um, yeah. And so I programmed a few of those, and never. My brain, unfortunately, as much as I tried, just could never grasp, like, coming up with computer programs by itself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was great at typing other people's ins, but I, I didn't really grasp what was going on. You would think by osmosis on. you would pick something up. I, I picked that. up I picked <laughs> up plenty. I mean, I, you know, I just, I decided that I could never probably train my brain to do it as a career without going postal on myself or others, so... <laughs> I decided to be a consumer of computer products instead of a creator, uh, which doesn't pay as well. But ah. but now, three of the games that I remember the most from that... Actually, hold on. Well, I want to say four, but I can't remember the name of the other one, at least off the top of my head. But one was called Raid on Bungling Bay. 
Okay. And it was an over overhead game, and you flew in a helicopter that would take off from. I can't remember if it took off from a ship, but you would just fly around, and you're you had to take out these bases and everything. And the graphics for the time were freaking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I. I no longer had my oh what was nice about the Commodore 64 is that you could plug in an Atari joystick into it yeah yep. and at the time my Atari joysticks had finally died so I got I had a big aftermarket joystick that was about and this is just gonna sound crude the shaft was <laughs> about eight inches so it had this big handle on it and it had a firing button on top as well as the side hmm so man, I used to, I used to play that game for hours. Me, 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 and my friend John from high school, we would just sit there and play that. And then it, there was another game. Uh, it was a Bruce Lee game, but it was like pretty. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, you remember that? He, he would just run across, go up and down ladders and stuff, and then yeah, and you could throw shurikens at one point. And he would, yeah, or he would kick, and, oh, he would kick, kick people, and and yeah. and then um, there was also a like an like a Zork game, but like an Aztec themed one, like an Indiana Jones. And it was just, you would walk into a, a room and you'd have to figure out what to do in the room to move on to the next room. Yeah. Or, you know, but by then, okay. <laughs> you had the Commodore 64, but then they had the 50, I believe the number was the 5141 hard disk drive, which was bigger than the Commodore 64. It was it was slightly and it would generate so much heat. <laughs> it was a five and a quarter floppy drive disk drive, mm-hmm. and you would, you know, you would put in a disk, close it, and wait. You know, I'm surprised those things never just melted in the machine. Oh, I know, <laughs> and and it would just you know, finally the game would load up, and then then you could just go to town and just have a ball. And there was some one other game too uh, that I used to play a lot, and I can't believe I can't remember the name, but it was like a oh I, oh it was called Impossible Mission instead of Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. and you were a spy and you ran around through different levels and fought computers, and there was puzzles you had to figure out. So the those like four games uh, really all through high school. Of course, I discovered other things in high school, so you know yeah games you know that yeah i the, fell out of it for a while too you know yeah i would say my the dark ages of video games for me are going to be from the end of high school until i actually went in the service and then when i was in the service i had plenty of time and money disposable in- income which at this point would get us up to nintendo and game boy yeah you know but I babbled on. Uh, did you have some more any Commodore sixty four stuff or? Oh uh, no, just that I remember. Uh, I said I think my my cousin who had the C sixty four had herself a little hacker connection or something even back in the day because she had a ridiculous library of games and it was just it just got me thinking what a what a creative renaissance that time was really and how much stuff as many games are produced now. I mean there was as many games produced then, you know mm-hmm. by people. In a, creating a medium that had never been seen before and it was just amazing and obviously a lot of these guys are still players you know a lot of them aren't and there's been a lot of uh, interesting stories throughout the years of the video game battles and you know you know Nintendo and Sega and you know the obvious ones and, and 
Microsoft getting into it. But um, I, yeah, I said I, I pretty much have always stayed a PC gamer. But yeah, my consoles basically dropped off. Uh, I think I might have even, I think I owned a Nintendo for a while. And then maybe owned one again later by proxy of my stepson. <laughs> yeah. Or Super, I think the Super NES is, uh, I first got to play through my stepson. Um, but yeah, it's always been, I just got dissatisfied. And, and now consoles have obviously caught up to and exceeded in some ways PC games. But I always liked the depth that a PC game got me. And I've always kind of leaned towards more strategic and simulation than action as I've grown older. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as I've gotten to yeah. be less agile in the, the joystick department. Well, that's why Fallout's <laughs> fun because you can pause the action. Yeah. Oh, it's I perfect. Go, okay, yeah, I'm yeah. going to attack with this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Or you can just play straight up and not pause, you know, whichever way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm, um, I remember uh, when the Nintendo came out because when I was in the service, like one of the guys uh, that I was living in the barracks with uh, before I went to a ship, he, you know, that guy had Nintendo, and I think I bought a, uh, I had picked up a, a Game Boy, and then later on I picked up the uh, Sega had a handheld system too, and then they actually had, Sega had a console. I never had the Sega console. The Genesis? Yeah, I yeah. never had any of Genesis. Oh, sorry, I was slipping into Star Trek uh, <laughs> 3. Sorry. Mutara Sector Forbidden. I heard the Genesis gives off too much radiation. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, so we will fucking shamelessly slip in the radiation <laughs> joke anywhere we can in Two Two Freaks. I'm glad we got it out of the way in the inaugural podcast. <laughs> I, I, I did that when I was in in the Navy because there was a uh, you would walk up a ladder to a higher level, and there was a little piece of rope, two pieces of rope with a sign on it, <laughs> like this is going to protect you or stop you. And it says warning beyond this port, beyond this point, radiation. <laughs> so one day I walk up there. And it was from the radar systems that turn and spin, so, you know, it's not going to, you know. The the biggest danger, even if you were standing next to the radar, the biggest danger from the radar is it's it, that it could hit you yeah. and knock you out, you know. I mean, I wouldn't stand there all day. It would be but bad. If you're just, but if you're just walking through real quick, you know, you're fine. But I walked up there one time, and I, I pulled the ropes down. There was a guy behind me, and I stepped across the ropes, and I go, radiation. <laughs> the guy looks at me, what? Like, obviously, you've never seen Star Trek 2. Never mind. Wasted joke. At least so, you made it home. You know, no one had dropped you off in the middle of the ocean for your nerdness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it was full of nerds on the ship. That was where I played. Man, I played... When I was... I had tons of Game Boy games. Like I said, I had the Sega game. Uh, the handheld game then while I was on the ship was where I finally got into PC into the PCs because mm-hmm. I bought a PC had it down on my work center and I got hooked on um, Might and Magic um, World of Zine 
Oh yeah, yeah, I remember those or early <sighs> RPG games. Yep. Yeah, and it, I got so hooked into that game, and then that was also about the same time they released like the 25th anniversary Star Trek game for the computer. Yeah, which is still like, oh, really one of the most amazing games ever created as far as adventure games. It was. I still play it. I've got an emulation port of it. The, hard, the hardest part of that was when you had to pilot the Enterprise and shoot down the duplicate a Enterprise in that towards, I think it was like the last or the next to last. Uh, yeah, I doubt because, I even got that far. That thing got hard. <laughs> because because the missions were episodes. Yeah. And you had to get through each episode to move on to the next one. I mean, as far as, as many sequels are as there are and stuff, I mean, Star Trek has had really great games over the years and some really bad ones and I don't know why someone hasn't thought it was a good idea to make like a port of that or an updated version of that style I know like adventure games point and click probably aren't really in these days but I think that was a brilliant game from top to bottom yeah well that PCs back then the way they were numbered or the way you could figure out alright what's a faster what's a better computer they went by the 286, 386, yeah. 486. You know, I had a 386 for a while. Then, like, one of the guys on the ship got a 486. So then we switched to his computer. And, uh, oh, uh, Wing Commander was the other big game. Yeah, oh, yeah. On, on the ship, man. We used to... I'd have guys coming into my work center just, just so they could play fucking Wing Commander. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse my French. But, but uh, already, uh, I broke that within the first yeah. five minutes, I think. No, not a family-friendly show yet. <laughs> but Wing Commander was a big one. The Zine game, the Star Trek, but probably the favorite and the one that I still have the best memories of was um, one of the guys in one of the other work centers on the ship. He had Star Wars X-Wing. Welcome to the flagship independent. You must register. That game was, I, I don't want to say the game was hard, but it was hard to play by yourself. So what we would do is, and, and we actually had enough money that we had the full-blown joysticks yeah. that you could control throttle speed, buttons, missiles, bombs, everything. We had the full layout. It also had controls on the keyboard to handle weapons power balance, shield balancing, engine balance. So what we would do is one guy would do the shooting and that's it. All he would concentrate on is that, and he would call out orders to his co-pilot, who would sit there. He, you know, all right, more shields. Yeah. Change this, change that. <laughs> so, you, and that guy would always be chewy. <laughs> of so we'd sit off to the side. Chewy, more shields. Because <laughs> he always rode in the X-wing with, with Luke. Well, no, not really. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, because that. That game was so hard, and there was always like one mission we would always have the hardest, hardest time with. 
I think I played then, TIE Fighter, but I don't know if I ever got X-Wing. Um, TIE Fighter was great too, though. Well, it's funny because when I got out of the Navy, one of the first things I did after I got married, <laughs> or as I was getting married, was I went to Circuit City because they were still in business. And it's funny because the computer that I bought, the guy I bought it from was, um, his name was Steve Perry. And I looked at him and went, you don't look like the singer of Journey. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like, yeah, just like I never heard warning, warning, danger, Will <laughs> Robinson. Um, so um, my criteria for the computer was, you know, he's like, well, you can do this. I'm like, ah, just, just stop. Will it play the shit out of X-Wing? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I needed to know. See, so. those were the days. I think I got a lot of those games later because those that was the time I got suckered into buying an Amiga. And the Amiga had some great games that PC people probably weren't getting to play. Uh, a lot of European-developed games that were really good. I can't remember a lot of them off the top of my head, but, you know, we always waited around. Someone would eventually port a PC game over to the Amiga, and it was like freaking Christmas. Um, but not all of them got over there, so eventually, you know, I had to go IBM and embrace the beast if I wanted to play all the, the good licensed stuff. <laughs> with with Amiga, did you play, um, there was a developer from France, I think, called Bullfrog? There was a game oh, yeah. called yeah, yeah. Syndicate? Did you play Syndicate? Yeah, I loved Syndicate. They did, um... Oh, that was the game. Was, they I did think a great recently... hospital, Sim 2, I think. Um, okay. They might have done... They were like the first, they did like Sim, no, I'm thinking of Maxi, but no, Bullfrog did a lot of Sims too. I'm, I'm trying to think of, oh, there was another game I played that was like, um, it was a fantasy based, you know, D&D type thing, but I can't recall what the name was right now, but mm. yeah, Syndicate was great. So it was basically an isometric, you know, 3D top down shooter. Um, and then you had a mission on... You, you yeah, very role playing too. And, you yes, know, you because, built up your and, gang and right. You had four guys, and you would use them from mission to mission. And then, uh, you know, your mission was to, and then you could choose different missions because you were, and it was all around the world. And then you would go. Uh, there was like corporations that were controlling yeah. the world. Yeah, no, like very that was dystopian. that would never happen. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have a whole show on that. How you know video <laughs> games have predicted the future too. They've done just yeah. about as well as science fiction novels, and probably exactly. not in a good way. The sound effects and some of the music in, in the game. Syndicate is one of the first games that I think I played so much that when I would lay down and go to sleep, I would see the game <laughs> in my head. Yeah, oh, I've been there. And that's 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 a scary thing when when you're you just close your eyes and you see the game, and you're like, wow, maybe I need to stop playing. Mm -hmm. Maybe be, being at sea with nothing to do is not a good thing to just be playing video games. In our addiction podcast, I'll talk about, you know, playing Civilization well into the night and all my dreams being turn-based. <laughs> oh, thank you for bringing that up. That's, that, I also played, yeah, that was where I, when I was in the Navy, that's where I discovered the Civilization games. And I, I got hooked on those. Played one through five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, I also discovered the Ultima games. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lord British himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, good, time. good Good times. Good times. Good times. You, you old young folks don't know what you're missing. Get off my lawn. Yeah, so Civilization is um, 
I'm still playing that now because you because you mentioned Civ Five, which you know what? In our previous conversation, you had told me about like a space add-on to that or something. Or is there another space above and beyond? That's not what it's called. I don't I remember what is it is. Is it a new Sid Meier game? Yeah, it's apparently. Oh, is, it's basically. Is it called Beyond? Is is it called Beyond Civilization or Beyond Earth? Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, because he he did a space one back in the day. Alpha Centauri, yeah, and yeah. I used to play that one. Um, and this is supposed to be that you know, improved. You know that you're oh, okay. probably cool. not bound just to Alpha Centauri. You get to like, yeah, that that kind of really. I mean, other than the fact that they just it seemed like nothing but a big giant mod for Civ. Yeah, and this will ultimately know? be that too. But um, yeah, you know, Which, as long as it expands heck, on it. I think in the future we could do an entire show just on Civ. Yeah, uh, and mods. I, actually, I only play Civ mods now. I'm playing a Game of Thrones one and a Ooh, Lord, really? of the, Lord of the Rings one. <laughs> You're gonna have to hook me up with those, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, oh, they've I got mean, they've I, got apocalyptic ones, and I'm playing one that's D and D based. Uh, you know, like Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Well, There's I mean, some good stuff out there. I. I think we're gonna pause here and this is going to be part one of our uh of our coverage of of the history but yeah I think we've so- kind of taken it to about the end of the end of the 80s um into the early 90s and then mm-hmm. and then now and then, and then when we come back we'll we'll be looking at uh i guess we could call it the rise of the console and we want to I- be cinematic about it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and attack i do of, absolutely attack of the consoles because yes. <laughs> we we got to come to the point where so we explain why that's we, just not for us anymore uh, <laughs> yeah so so we would have well yeah if we were try, trying to make these star wars movies what would be you know we'd have to start with the fourth one so it would be uh, it'd be like a new game or something, you know. Atari, a new hope. Yeah, a new game. And, and then um, the Intellivision Strikes Back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and now Rise of the Consoles. Yeah, <laughs> a return of the consoles almost because they they almost kind of dropped off a little bit, but or yeah. or Revenge of the PC or no? Well, I see. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I like Attack of the Consoles. Or... Tech, yeah. That would probably be our next one, actually. Our first one would be yeah. like Atari, A New Hope, and then Rise of the Councils or Attack of the Councils, and then the, the, the Return PC of the PC or something, you know, to take us out. The These PC. will all be worked on in post-production, folks. And... <laughs> but, yeah, for future game ideas, if anyone uh, – do we have an email that we can – We don't yet, but we will by the time – this gets produced, and we'll do right, we kind of really excellent professional outro with everything we need in it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. But some future things, I mean, you know, and you don't have to leave this in, but but we could do, I mean, heck, we could do a Star Wars game one. You know, talk about the different Star Wars it game iterations. Yeah, I think, I mean, we'll definitely need to... Uh kind of do some cross-pollination with, you know, our video game universe of freaks, and definitely, uh, I've tried just about every, you know, superhero video game uh, that's oh. come out over the years, and not many of them have been good, but there have been a few, and we'll do our 
you know, uh, our history of experiences of online gaming, and there's oh, just yeah. a, a plethora of, of great video game topics. Oh, the shooter games. We forgot about the Star Wars PC shooter games. Oh, that no, were... I haven't forgotten. I'll probably oh, okay. play it tonight. <laughs> oh. Well, because one of the... Um, right about the time when I got out of the service was like, I think Dark Forces came out. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. That was mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, anything so. with yeah, Star Wars on it. Even the shitty ones, you know, you still get that. <laughs> they all started out with that that opening scroll, so it's like, yeah, yeah I'm there. Uh, well, I guess we'll do some type of closure here. Um, all right, well, I hope you, uh, everyone has uh, enjoyed our, our ramblings, our babblings about video games, and we will return with a part two where I guess we're going to call it Rise of the Console, Attack of the Console, where... We're not quite sure, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna get back into uh, uh, the PlayStation, Xbox, and beyond. Yep, some of which I've never played, but uh, that's kind of the point. This is no consoles for old men, and uh, don't forget to check out twotruefreaks.com. Uh, there's also an Amazon link on there that if you uh, click on that and buy something. The overlords get a little cut of that and uh, are able to keep, you know, the things running around here. Um, so I'm Scott McGregor, and you are? I am Bill Robinson, or as I'm known in Doctor. the... <laughs> I am Dr. Bill, Bill Robinson. Robinson. And I'm Scott to a point. Oh, and this is No Councils for Old Men. Thanks for listening. Bye now. You've been listening to No Councils for Old Men, starring Dr. Bill Robinson and Scott 2.0, Scott McGregor. If you'd like to email us with any questions or suggestions for future shows, our email address is nocouncilsforoldmen at yahoo.com. No Councils for Old Men is produced by Dr. Bill Robinson and Scott McGregor and is part of the Two True Freaks podcasting network.
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, Soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.